Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, March 1st, 2024. Our first episode of March, obviously. It's the first day of March. I'm joined by Luke, as always, to my left. And uh, we've got quite a few things going on. Things a little uh, a little exciting part of most off-season, or the off-season time, I guess. Uh, we got the 2024 NFL Combine officially underway. Uh, D-line, linebackers, working out as we speak. Um as you're hearing this, defensive backs and tight ends are working out today, being Friday. Uh, QBs, wide receivers, and running backs all on Saturday. So that day is going to be fantastic to watch. And then we'll have the O-line on Sunday. Um, NFL free agency starts in just under two weeks. Uh, with the start of spring training last week, we've gotten to see a whole lot of stuff in the MLB. We got the debut, uh, the debuts of Yoshinobu Yamamoto for the Dodgers. He looked great. Uh, a new Atlanta Brave, Chris Sale, he also looked great. Uh, today, we got the uh, 2023 number one overall draft pick, Paul Skeens, um, whose first batter faced was the 2022 number one overall draft pick, Jackson Holiday. Uh, in this debut, he hit 102 miles per hour on his pitches. Uh, I think he had two that showed up 102, um, and those pitches were caught by the 2021 number one overall draft pick, Henry Davis. So <laughs> lots, lots of high-profile draft prospects playing in these games. We also got a nuke from the number four overall prospect, Chase DeLauder of the Cleveland Guardians. He is a dog. Uh, as well as a nuke from the richest MLB player in history, Mr. Shohei Otani. Uh, we got Byron Buxton making his return to center field for the first time in 554 days. That's insane. Wow. He hasn't played center field in that long. Um, uh, among many other great things, I know Michael Harris has had a fantastic start to spring training. Uh, in soccer, though, the big news is that I'm an idiot and once again uh, had us preview games that don't happen for another week, that being the Champions League matches that we previewed last week. I don't know why I can't look at a calendar. <laughs> I don't know what my problem is, uh, but we still have plenty to talk about with the Premier League, including the Manchester Derby this weekend. So a whole Ooh. bunch to talk about. Luke, how are you feeling? We got a lot of fun things going on right now. Man, you left out Juan Soto. He's oh, been yeah. playing well, too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Juan Soto. You know who that is? I, I sure do. <laughs> but how about Yamamoto? I mean, oh. goodbye, Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon, meet Yamamoto. Wow. Wait, hold I, on. That's, hold uh, on. That was a... Marcus Simeon. Like the... Seven yeah, that days. was the first batter that he faced. Oh, really? He set him down. Oh, okay. Yeah, like struck him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Oh man. Yeah, I, I'm I haven't watched too much spring training. Typically with spring training, I'll pay attention to the Braves, which we played two games at the same time today. We did fantastic in both. Um so love to see that. Uh but also like yeah, I just kind of pay attention to the Braves and I typically wait until like closer to the end of spring training and just like watch a couple of videos or like watch some recaps about yeah. like what happened and like who did well, who did bad, who we're going to see make opening day rosters and such. So um haven't paid too much attention, but obviously I've seen the headlines. Um Very excited for the combine. Uh, if you guys didn't hear Monday's episode from this week, uh, this coming Wednesday, uh, I will be putting out a first round mock draft. It's going to 
take some work, some late nights <laughs> working on that one because I haven't really put anything <laughs> together. Uh, I've only read a couple of people's mock drafts. So it's going to be uh, a full first-round mock draft. Um, I might even do like uh, maybe a little video around it uh, that I'll post just kind of separate uh, from the podcast. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out myself. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Who are the Steelers that. taking? Oh, it's tough because uh, two guys that I thought they would be taking aren't working out at the combine because they're both hurt. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he's the Illinois defensive tackle. Um, shoot, I can't remember his name. I think it's like Isaiah Brown, maybe. I don't know. And then Cooper DeJean uh, won't be working out until closer to the draft. Um, but those are definitely two guys that I've been looking at for the Steelers. Um, but like I said, everybody will know on Wednesday when I post my mock draft. Uh, Luke, uh, anything else uh, before we kind of get into the meat and meat and potatoes? No, I'm ready to I'm ready to preview the AFC South, man. I am super excited, and along with uh, well, we're not previewing the AFC South, but uh, we are recapping the AFC South preview. Uh, sorry, and sorry. We uh, <laughs> so we've got our AFC South season grades. That series continues uh, for the MLB. We're starting up divisional previews. So. Uh, the way it's going to work, me and Luke are going to do the AL divisions for the next three weeks. Me and Colin are going to do the NL divisions. Uh, and then we'll do, um, you know, awards predictions. And then maybe just one more, like, preview type video or uh, type segment uh, before the season starts, which I believe is on March 28th or 29th. Um, so we're, we're getting there. It's real close. Um, we've also got... The Premier League weekend to talk about. Uh, we had some interesting results throughout the week. We've got some interesting matchups this weekend. And, uh, of course, we'll round it out with questions time, which we actually have one question from Ethan. He loves to do just one question when he posts. And then, of course, our questions from Nathan. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, let's get into the AFC South because this was a fun division this year to watch and to follow along to the title race, especially you really had three teams in it all the way down to the final seconds of week 18. So this was a fun one to watch. So in case you haven't uh, listened to the AFC West, uh, first of all, why don't you just go back and listen to it, then come back over here. Uh, but the explanation, we're doing academic grading scale minus regular plus letter grades. Uh, we'll talk about what they did well, what they did poorly, assign them a grade. Uh, we'll talk about some players, some stats. I got a lot of stats uh, this this time around. Um, nice. Or at least rankings in statistics. I don't have the exact stats written down for them. Uh, but we'll start with the losers of the division, Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they, they struggled all year long. The Titans are one of those teams where they're, they're super boring to watch. Honestly, they, yeah. they have talent, but I would say overall boring. Um, but they're not as bad as what you would think they would be. Yes. It, it's kind of interesting with the Tennessee Titans. They were 27th in points per game uh, at 17.9, but 26.6 points allowed. They were 16th in the NFL. So, on average, you could technically look at that as losing every single game by around like four or five <laughs> yeah. points. Um, but they were first in red zone defense, which I thought was very interesting, being a 6-11 and 11 team or whatever they finished. Um, they were dead last in interceptions, uh, 31st in takeaways. 
Um, only 29, uh, 29th in passing yards per game, which is expected, but I will add that I like Will Levis for this team a lot, and they have one more year of D-Hop and Will Levis together, which I think is going to bode well for their, them, but the biggest thing for them going into the offseason and, you know, kind of a story in the regular season is Derrick Henry. We saw a Derrick Henry this year have games where he would have 16 rush attempts for, like, only 29 yards. That, that happened a couple times. So yeah. whether that's age or the team that he's on, I really have no idea. And they may not even bring him back this year. Um, I know the Titans haven't ruled out that possibility, but um, he pretty much retired from the – or said he was going to leave the Titans yeah. his last game with them. Um, they were 1-5 in, in their division as far as uh, divisional games, which, you know, that's never, ever going to be good. So overall, if I can go ahead and give my letter grade, I gave them a D. Gotcha. Yeah, um, I have yeah. A, a laundry list of stats that they were very bad at uh, this year and uh, one stat that they were very good at. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through all of these bad stats, and I'll go pretty quickly. You already brought this one up, but 27th in points per game. They were 28th in red zone touchdown percentage. They were 28th in total yards per game. 26th in yards per play, 28th in third down conversion percentage, um, 29th in passing yards per game, 28th in sacks allowed per game, uh, 30th in opponent completion percentage, and 31st in takeaways per game, which you also mentioned. The one stat I have that they did good in, they were 5th in yards allowed per rush. So the rush defense was still there. Jeffrey Simmons doing his thing. Um, rest of the team, not quite. Uh, I will say, Will Levis, yeah. it, it, you, you brought up they maybe found their franchise quarterback. I think that's the exact way to put it. I think we saw good things yeah. out of Will Levis. We saw promising things. We know that long-term he's a much better option than Ryan Tannehill, but we don't know if he's really like a franchise quarterback just yet. I think we'll need to see a full season where he's the starter 17 times, and you know then we'll have a better idea of where they're at. And then, kind of like you said, I think a disappointing player this season was Derrick Henry. Um, maybe not on a disappointing level like some other running backs in the NFL, but on a Derrick Henry scale, this was a disappointing season. Like you said, the inconsistency yeah. was the big part. Um, you know, he had a couple of amazing games, and then, like you brought up, he'd have games where he had like 16, <laughs> 16 attempts for nine yards, like things like that yeah. weigh you down quite a bit. Like, he could have led the league in rushing this year, and he didn't because of how many bad performances he had. And considering this team, I believe their um, – so I talked about their rushing yard – or, like, yards per attempt, I think, was one of the things I talked about. I can't remember. I thought you mentioned no. something like uh, that. No. It, it, okay, I was thinking of a different team. Um, but, yeah, they, this was a, a very inefficient rush de- or rushing offense. Um, a lot of carries – for nothing <laughs> and it didn't help that Tajay yeah. Spears wasn't much better um when he got his time because he actually did get a decent amount of uh of opportunities out of the backfield he still wasn't great either um yeah I ended up giving the Titans a D minus um I, I think the I was gonna give them a D and then I remembered that they fired Mike Vrabel <laughs> <laughs> they deserve that so they, they got the D minus <laughs> Yeah, and, and another player, um, I like how you brought up um, 
you know, Derrick Henry being disappointing as well as I did. But another player that I wanted to highlight is I remember when we did our top 10 tight ends of not last yes. season, but the season before and yes. you brought up Okonkwu. He was really, really, really quiet this year. I think he was second on their team in yards, but that's not really saying much when, you know, you look at how good their passing game was, which it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Okonkwu was a very disappointing player. I really wanted to see more out of him, especially with the addition of D Hop, maybe, you know, getting some coverage away from him. But Okonkwu just didn't really play out kind of like how you or I wanted to. Yeah. I had him as one of my surprise or like guys to watch going into this season uh, for this team. And uh, there wasn't much to watch with him. So, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. Uh, agree with that one. But let's go ahead and talk about the Indianapolis Colts because honestly, the Titans are the only team in this whole division where I didn't think they were very good. I think the Colts were one of the best, if not the best uh, team in this division. I'm not going to say they're the best. I think we already know that, but (laughs) (laughs) they came third in this division. They could have been first. (laughs) It's crazy. They could have. Um, So I'll just throw out a couple of stats. Some things they were very good at, putting up points. And all of this, Without Anthony Richardson, they're, what, fourth overall pick, fifth overall pick? To do this despite him not being there was huge. They were 10th in rushing yards per game and 10th in yards per attempt despite Jonathan Taylor missing a bunch of games at the beginning of the season. He missed a couple games late in the season with injury, and you still had a great rushing offense. That's a testament to the offensive line uh, and just kind of their whole scheme and their play calling uh, with that new offense with, um, oh man, Shane Steichen as their head coach. They've done a great job. I, I love what the Colts are doing. They're heading in the right direction. There is a couple things they struggled with, and I think this is this kind of goes with the fact that maybe they didn't have their best options in the game at all times. That's 26th in third down conversion uh, and 24th uh, for the defense, 24th in yards allowed per game. Um, the Colts played a lot of high-scoring, close down to the wire games and a lot of times they lost. Um so I I think it's just uh a matter of not always having your best options on the field. Uh but I will say that for the most part, a lot of the guys that filled in were the more surprising good performances from that team. Guys like Gardner Minshew and Zach Moss really carrying their load for this team. Um, on the defensive side, somebody I was super happy with was Kenny Moore. I think he's emerged as one of the best oh, yeah. in the league at his position. Big time. Uh, but on the defense as well, I think their most disappointing player of this team was Shaq Leonard, who got cut halfway through the season. Like, yeah, that, I'm still looking for him. Yeah. I don't know where he's I, I guess he's a Philadelphia I mean, he, Eagle. <laughs> that's where he signed for the <laughs> remainder of the season. He still did nothing. But you know what? They had Zaire Franklin, who had yeah. a great great year with the Colts um and yeah they really they figured out something interesting with Zach Moss and then Jonathan Taylor when he came back I mean shit I think it's safe to say that some games that Zach Moss and JT had together they were rivaling Jameer Gibbs and uh Jordan Montgomery for running back duo they were fantastic um I think we saw Michael Pittman step up a lot too he definitely is a top guy in the league that I don't think gets enough recognition um like you said the, the the Colts finished nine and eight and had to battle they they were constantly battling something throughout the entire season and you know it sucked losing Anthony Richardson but Gardner Minshew I mean did more than stepped up for that team he 
God forbid, if something happened to Anthony Richardson that was like horrible, Gardner Minshew could honestly be your starting quarterback and you could build around him. Yeah, that that was the kind of performance he gave me. Um, and you, I, I couldn't find many rankings on the Colts like I did the other three teams, but um, they they were twenty eighth in points against, like you said, you know, high scoring on both sides, a lot of close games for them. So I actually gave the Colts a C plus. They they did the absolute best they could with the cards that they were dealt. And that's, you know, sometimes in the NFL, that's all you can do. They yeah. were very impressive all season long. I'm really happy with how they played. For sure. Uh, overall, I gave them yeah. a B minus. Oh. So I, I, I think they, I like were, they were very good. They, they literally could have made the playoffs if they threw to the right guy uh, instead of, I think, I think it was Trey Sermon they threw to on that final play that would have kept their season alive, uh, and he dropped the ball. Yeah. So <laughs> that kind of killed him. If they would have made the playoffs, like that would have been huge. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about Jacksonville. This was um, interesting, I'd say. I think they were they were maybe the most disappointing of this division because of the expectation. Maybe in the whole NFL. Maybe, yeah. Because they, they simply just weren't good at a lot of things that are important. Um, my biggest one, they were 21st in red zone touchdown percentage. That's abysmal for this kind of offense, where you have weapons at all three wide receiver positions. Granted, these guys were out every other week, it seemed like. It was like one week you got yeah. the whole three. The next week you've just got Calvin Ridley. The next week you've got Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, but no Calvin Ridley. Like It was a mess. Uh, with that, but yeah. they were also 30th in yards per rush. That is horrible for Travis Etienne and, you know, the the little bit that we saw from Tank Bigsby. Like, last year, let me pull up um, his stats. Travis Etienne was amazing last year, especially in yards per carry. This season, the complete opposite. Yeah, last year... In 17 games played, so the same sample size, he had 220 carries for 1,125 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. This season, with uh, with 47 more carries, he only had 1,008 yards and had 3.8 yards per carry. Yeah. So he took, look, he was still a 1,000-yard rusher, but he took a tremendous step back from last year. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, not, I'm going to keep letting you go with your points, but I also had a lot on Travis, or, uh, yeah, Travis Etienne. Only just broke a thousand rushing yards, too, by like only like six or seven yards, I believe. Yeah. I think he was at like a thousand seven. And, you know, that was, um, that was not what I wanted to see out of him. I wanted to see an explosive year um, out of guys like him and, you know, Kenneth Walker, I would put in that category, too. But, um, yeah, I like how you brought up Travis Etienne. I think they were 24th in rushing yards per game. Season yeah. not very good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I will say uh, they were still getting passing yards despite the fact that you know you had Trevor Lawrence go down for you know he was out for one full game. He was pretty banged up in a couple others. You were still ninth in passing yards per game. And one thing that I thought they were really good at was third down defense. They were eighth uh, in opponent third down percentage, um, which is huge. They were tied seventh in takeaways per game, so they were getting the ball back. Uh, I think a lot of that. Uh, on defense, 
you got to give it to Josh Allen. This guy was special this season. We already knew how good he was going into it, but this year he showed us something else. And, of course, Foyasada Luakon just tackling everybody. 111 solo tackles for him this season. And just down the list on the defense, you had three guys that had over 100 total tackles. Now, that means guys are getting the ball in their hand, but it also means the guys are just all over it, and they're doing a fantastic job. But, yeah, Josh Allen's got to be my biggest standout guy. 17 and a half sacks is amazing. Uh, on the offensive side, the guy that I was super happy with was Evan Ingram. He was literally the safety blanket of all safety blankets for Trevor Lawrence. 114 receptions this season. That's crazy, considering, yes, he was first in targets. He only had um, seven more targets uh, than Calvin Ridley, and Calvin Ridley only had 76 receptions. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's It was insane yeah. what Evan Ingram was able to do this season, so I got to shout him out because it, at times we thought he was going to be a bust, uh, but he certainly turned things around. Yeah, shit. I, I would take Evan Ingram over George Kittle. Yeah. Darren Waller. I mean, that that guy, he needs uh, he needs his flowers I don't know about sure, Kittle. But I, I'm going to get into I don't it. know about Kittle. I'd I take mean, him maybe, over Waller, not over Kittle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and really the only thing that I want to add to Jacksonville, and this is what knocked them so bad for me, is um, you beat the Steelers, and then you have this linebacker picked up a terrible towel. Yeah, that is a good point. And then, uh, you know, two weeks later, your season's fucking over because you were 6-2 <laughs> and two going into your week nine bye, and you finished the season 3-6, and six, yeah. Yes, I gave the Colts a C plus. The Jacksonville Jaguars get a C from me. That end of the season for them complete like just wrecks yep. everything. Yep. In my opinion. Uh they they were worse than the Colts. Yeah, I gave them a C as well. I think Trevor Lawrence yep. kind of disappointed me uh a lot this season. Only twenty one touchdowns and fourteen interceptions is horrible. Horrible for Trevor Lawrence. He still had over 4000 yards. That. He he you know, he did things well this season. An 88.5 QB rating isn't bad or sorry, passer rating isn't that bad. But when you when you throw in the 14 picks and only 21 touchdowns considering the receiver core and the tight end that he had, you got to be getting more passing touchdowns and with how talented of a quarterback he is, he should not be throwing 14 picks. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. All right. Well, then let's talk about those division champions, the Houston Texans, because goddamn, did they just knock my socks off this year? Uh, let's start with the things they did bad, though. 28th in rushing yards per game, 29th in yards per rush, and then on the defensive side, 30th in opponent completion percentage. So I, I think overall, they they were they were great, and they made up for their shortcomings in a lot of spots. I will give them that because... They're good things they did. They were eighth in passing yards per game with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of young wide receivers. They were fourth in yards per attempt, once again, with a rookie quarterback and some young wide receivers. And then on the defensive side, they're sixth in opponent third down conversion and second in yards allowed per rush. That is the big stat for me. The running defense of this team was outstanding. And a lot of that goes to Will Anderson. A lot of that to Jonathan Grenard, who was... Such a fantastic surprise player for me uh, with this Texans defense. But just so many other guys on this team that just stepped up. Blake Cashman was awesome. 
Uh, Christian Harris had a great season. Like, so many guys stepped up on this team that I didn't expect. And, um, yeah, they, they certainly got their flowers, and, and we saw some amazing performances, uh, you know, even in the postseason. That game against the Browns, yeah. dude. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, they were definitely on some other things uh, there. But, um, yeah, my, my surprise players list is rather lengthy. It's essentially the entire offense. <laughs> uh, CJ Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Devin Singletary. Um, and then on the defensive side, Will Anderson Jr. and Jonathan Grenard kind of headline my list there. Um, disappointing players-wise, uh, I think there's one that's very obvious. Damon oh Pierce. my god, I, I can't wait till we get to my notes on this guy. <laughs> and then uh, on the defensive side, a guy that I wasn't too happy with uh, was actually Derek Stingley. I think he could have been much better. I know he did have five interceptions, but it felt like he was, was getting burnt a lot. Uh, and considering 30th in opponent completion percentage, um, it, it he certainly wasn't the best, uh, I'd say. Yeah, um... Yeah, I mean, the Texans, I, you may have already said it, but 7th in passing, 22nd in rushing. That is going to be the biggest thing for me with this team going forward is they have to figure out this run game. And with with the season that Damon Pierce had, it, he may not even be the guy anymore. It was that yeah. bad. Um, they were 11th in points against. I, I mean, uh, you know, you have a high-powered offense that's top of the league in points against on defense. That's how you make the playoffs right there. Um, yeah. But like you said, they were 23rds in passing yards against, but they were sixth in rushing. So, you know, get a new running back, get some new secondary guys in there. Shit, you might have a Super Bowl in two or three years. Yeah, and this is the Seriously. free agency um, class to go after a running back for sure. You got way definitely. too many options to to not go out and get one. And I wouldn't be mad if they did that because Damon Pierce, as much as I honestly – I'm about to dog on this guy. He may still have trade value yeah. on a different team. But um, let me put this in a perspective for you so all the viewers know how bad Damon Pierce was. So, first of all, should I just start with C.J. Stroud had more rushing touchdowns than him? That's a good place to start. C.J. Stroud had three. <laughs> uh, Damon Pierce had two. I'm, I'm going to break it down. Here we go. So, 14 games for Damon Pierce. He, he was a little bit unhealthy, which may have been the cause of all this. But, yeah. nonetheless, 145 attempts. 416 rushing yards in 14 games. He averaged 29.7 yards per game. And like I said, only had two touchdowns. He's brutal. Absolutely brutal. And then Devin Singletary comes in. He plays all 17, 216 attempts, almost 900 yards. He missed out by two yards. 52.8 yards per game, but a 4.2 rushing average. I think Damon Pierce is like a 2.7 rushing average as Uh, far as per carry. 2.9, there you go. Um, And then Devin Singletary had four touchdowns. And C.J. Stroud, going back to him, on 39 attempts, was able to score three touchdowns. So, I mean... All, all to say that their run game was literally the reason that they that games were kept close against them because you have a rookie quarterback who can sling it and yeah. loves throwing it to players on his team. He does not throw it to the wrong jersey ever. Um, and yeah, that's why I, I'm going to give the Houston Texans like a like a B. Yeah, B plus, B plus. We'll yeah, say B plus. I, I give him a B plus because of the playoffs. Um, 
I think, you know, I could probably reason myself to give them a B, even, but I, I don't think they quite got to that A minus level. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call it an yeah. A because there's still things to iron out. Like we talked about the run game, uh, certainly an issue. And the secondary was a bit of a problem. Uh, but overall, they were fantastic. They totally blew me away. 10 and 7. Yep. They win the AFC South. They win a playoff game. Um, but ultimately, you know, they fell short in the playoffs. This is a team to look out for going forward because they got a lot of young guys. The thing is, is two years, three years down the road, they're going to have to start paying some guys. And, and I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how they go with that because you're not, if Nico Collins and Tank Dell stay on this trajectory, you're not going to be able to pay both of them if you're paying C.J. Stroud the same year. Think about it. Tank Dell and C.J. Stroud are going to be eligible for extensions at the same time. And I'll tell you what, C.J. Stroud is not expendable. <laughs> you can't get rid of C.J. Stroud. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm interested to see where this goes because you're also, you know, if Derek Stingley continues to be, you know, an above average or possibly great corner, you're going to have to pay him in about two years. You're going to have to pay Nico Collins in about a year or two. Um, So I'm very interested in, of course, Will Anderson, Tank Dell, and CJ Stroud all being in the same draft class means they're all eligible for extensions at the same time. And um, we've seen the defensive linemen that can sack the quarterback, they get paid. Uh, So Will Anderson's going to get his bag too. Yeah, even even guys like Jalen Peachtree, you know, like one of the – one of the best tackling safeties in the NFL right now, he's going to probably want some money for so sure. They're going to have to make some decisions, but that also means, you know, the, the talent will be spread across the NFL. Yes. It'd be interesting to see if any of these guys go to different teams and how well they do over there. But uh, for right now, the Texans are fantastic. They just got to get this running game figured out. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see what they do going forward. I think, um, you know, we could also talk about how good their first year head coach was. D'Amico Ryan's like the two first year head coaches in this division were the two best coaches in this division, possibly two of like the top 10 coaches in the league this season. I'd be willing to say because of what we saw from them in the, the, the endless, endless roadblocks that they were able to pass. Like, you know, with, with obviously the Colts, (laughs) you lost your franchise quarterback in like the fourth week of the season. And for the Texans, (laughs) you had, so many guys underperform that you needed guys to perform well. And I know it seems like C.J. Stroud, you know, kind of was the firepower for them. But you also got to remember that C.J. Stroud got hurt. He missed two games this season, and they were able to pull out a victory in one of those. So, like, you got to commend these guys for getting these teams – or, sorry, getting this team and getting these players to step up uh, in big situations because – we were certainly aware that Case Keenum and Davis Mills were not going to cut it uh, based off of uh, what we saw from them in their few appearances this season. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the uh, the AFC South. We'll have the AFC North next weekend – or next weekend, next week uh, on Friday. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I think that'll do it for that. So why don't we uh, – why don't we hop into some baseball talk for now? Uh, I'm so excited for everything to get started in the MLB, and it's kind of already underway. But um, 
Let's talk a little bit about the AL West is where we'll start. We'll do the Central next week, and then, of course, the East after that. The reason I chose AL for me and you and NL for me and Colin is so that both of uh, you guys get a chance to talk about your favorite teams. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the big thing because, look, I, I, I like everybody's teams um, for the most part, unless you're a Phillies <laughs> fan so uh, or a Mets fan. <laughs> so um, I, I can get on board with anything. And uh, for now, let's start with the AL West. Um, let's start with standings predictions. Uh, you want to go top to bottom or bottom to top? Um, I'm going to go bottom to top. Okay. Um, give me to start out. Yeah, go ahead. Cool. So from bottom to top, I have the athletics, angels, Rangers, Mariners, Astros. We have identical standings predictions. <laughs> I, I figured we might. Yeah. I really figured we I, might. I know you and I are both high on Seattle. Definitely. Uh, I'm a, I'm a yeah. big time for Seattle. I love what their rotation could, could look like. Um, you know, going into this season, and there's still guys out there they could go get and add to this rotation, or trade off and get to add to this rotation. So, I love what they've got going. They've brought in some great players, um, and, and I think you know overall the big thing is is that they need to go out and get a third baseman before this season starts, and there just happens to be one of the best defensive third basemen of our generation sitting there as a free agent right now. Um, so. I'm excited to see what the Mariners can do. That's why I've got them in second, because they're not quite the Astros yet. I I trust the Astros more to just go out and win games in the regular season than I do the Mariners, and then I do the Rangers as well. Um, You might be asking, hey, why the hell are the Rangers third in this division? Probably not going to make the playoffs uh, in that position. Well, uh, I, I, I don't think they got much better. They won a World Series last year for sure. You still got to get better because guys are leaving. There's At this point, there's no chance Jordan Montgomery comes back. You've got long-term injuries still from Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, who are going to miss significant time. And They're not going to be back until like midsummer. Yeah, so you're going to start off the season with like Nathan Eovaldi and like John Gray headlining your rotation. And I think Eovaldi can be good, but I'm not. I'm not yeah. placing high expectations on him yet. No, I'm not either. And then, of course, for your bottom two, the Angels are just a weird case. Um, I I would say it's a rebuild, but you still have Mike Trout. uh, (laughs) And and you still have Anthony Rendon, but you do have some promising young players. Guys like Zach Nito, who is obviously one of my favorites. I couldn't stop talking about how good his glove is in the infield. Um He's a guy I love watching. You got a guy who I'll talk about when we talk about uh, some Rookie of the Year candidates, uh, Noel, uh, Nolan Shanuel, the first baseman. This guy's got big-time pop, and he's got a great glove at first base. He could be genuinely he could be AL Rookie of the Year. He's on this Angels team, and you've got a brand-new coaching staff headlined by one of my favorite coaches ever in Ron Washington as their manager, I, I think there's the potential for them to start something here, but it's not going to be anything better than, you know, maybe what we've seen in the past. I love, I love how you talked about the angels just there because they are such an easy team to shit on, you know, with all the talent they've had and not been able to show it. But for me going into 2024, it's can their vets stay healthy? And like you said, can those rookies like Noah Shanuel step yeah. up? Um, that's really going to be it. And like, 
you know, you had guys last season, like Brandon Drury is going to be back. He was solid last year for him. But it's just, like I said, is can Rendon stay healthy? Can Mike Trout stay healthy? And can these rookies step up is really going to make or break the Angels, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then for the Oakland Athletics, uh, <laughs> they're there. Brent Rooker. For sure. Yeah, Brent Rooker. Awesome. Um, awesome, awesome guy. Estuary Ruiz is pretty yep. fast. I think he is going to lead the league that's, in stolen bases. I'll, I'll go ahead and make that prediction. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, fair. I just uh, can't can't get I'm behind. Be honest, I don't know anybody on their rotation. Yeah, I so I was about to bring that up. I can't get behind a rotation headlined by Paul Blackburn. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's right, not good. Uh, well, <laughs> that's a good starting point is that it's not good. Um, I, I yeah, there is guys on this team that I like though. I, like I said, I like Asturi Ruiz. I like Brent Rooker. Um, I like obviously Shea Langliers is awesome as a catching uh, a young catcher. Uh, Ryan Noda is a pretty good first baseman that has a little bit of upside there. But it's also the Athletics. Um, you know, I'm not going to put much value in what they're doing right now uh, until they uh, until they get to Vegas. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was going to say. Is it, they're they're saving money for Vegas yeah. right now. They're oh, saving yeah. it all for the move. <laughs> oh yeah, but it doesn't matter because oh, Luke is still going to call them Oakland. <laughs> oh my goodness, exactly. And my camera, yeah, I has... noticed. Freaking, I bumped the cord every time. <laughs> all right. Well, so... while you're you're figuring that out, um, I, I want to talk about the Astros a little bit and why I think. Uh, a little more in depth on why I think they'll be the best team in this division. Um, it, it comes down to experience and it comes down to depth. This is a team with so many great players that that can just fill in whenever they need to. Um, obviously, you have a pretty solid starting rotation. Uh, Justin Verlander's out for the moment. Uh, there's your camera, but um, there we go. But he's going to be back pretty soon. I think he's like day-to-day at the moment. But you still have Framber Valdez, uh, Christian Javier, who have certainly showed some great things, uh, at least in the regular season. Uh, You have the young pitcher, Hunter Brown, who's awesome. Uh, And then you've got J.P. France on this rotation. That fifth spot is up for grabs, but you also added the best closer in the league in Josh Hader, uh, which is a big deal. Um, That's a huge acquisition, but... You have young players like Yenier Diaz, who I really like as their catcher, uh, who I think you know going forward could be a huge impact player. Um, I can't imagine we'll see as bad of a Jose Abreu as we saw last year. I, I don't think it's possible for him. Um, obviously, a Jose Altuve that just got a five-year extension at like 36 years old. What? Yeah, I think it was five years. Wow. Um, just a couple of weeks ago. He's 33, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a five-year extension. Uh, you've got Alex Bregman, who I think is going to bounce back big this year. Jeremy Pena, I think, you know, last year seemed like a textbook sophomore slump. Um, I think this year he improves. Uh, and then, you know, in the outfield, it, it's mainly about the defense in the outfield. Chaz McCormick and Jake Myers both play a great defense in the outfield. They also offer a little bit of hitting, uh, not too much. And then, of course, Kyle Tucker is a star, uh, if you haven't realized. And then Jordan Alvarez, what else to say about him, man? Yeah, um, and I, I kind of have uh, similar notes on the Astros. Like, look, you have a Jose Altuve who proved he can come back from injuries late in his career, which, you know, I, I think kind of goes along with that extension. It makes sense for yeah. him. Um, Kyle Tucker can only get better. I, I think he could be AL MVP. 
I, I really do this season. I, I, I'm a big, big fan of Kyle Tucker, not the team, but Kyle Tucker. Um, but, you know, kind of like what you touched on, I think Pena and Abreu need to step up. Uh, you know, sure. they, they need to come back if they're going to win a World Series. And also, their pitchers not named Verlander also need to step up because I, you know, I like Javier. I like Framer Valde. What, what just happened? Sorry, I'm watching the combine the and uh, Muhammad oh. Kamara from Colorado <laughs> State just ran a 4 5 8 as a defensive Holy lineman shit. on the 40. That's, oh, wow. Damn. Holy um, shit. <laughs> Okay. But, continue. Uh, Sorry. That's pretty fast. But <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they they don't Valdez and Christian Javier. They don't give me ace vibes. Not yet, at least. No. And I think no, they yet. need to step up because Verlander. You know, he's only got so much left in the tank. Um, they they need to step up. And Jordan Alvarez is absolutely elite. Um, he's gonna yes. you know continue to be elite yeah. for his career. And that's really all I have on the Astros. I I just. Bottom line, I think it's going to come down to can Pena and Abreu step up and can their starting pitchers not named Verlander step up? Yeah, obviously Justin Verlander is going to go out there and do his thing. Maybe age catches up to him, but uh, it hasn't. <laughs> I can yeah. say that for a fact. Age has not caught up to the 41-year-old Justin Verlander yet. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what we get from him. Uh, and, and and like I said, you know, I, I went on and on about this Astros team and the upside of them, so... Um, let's talk about dark horses to win the division. I think I think there's only two other contenders in this division other than the Astros, of course. It's the Mariners and then the Rangers. I think, oddly enough, I think the Rangers come in third. I think they have a better chance to win this division than Seattle. Mm. Okay. I don't know what it is. I, I, think, I think with Texas, they're so much more volatile. I, I think it's pretty clear what we'll get from Seattle, and that's an 80 to, to 95 win team. Like, or maybe 85 to 95 win team. But the Rangers could be a 70 win team or a 100 win team. And I have no idea. <laughs> That's fair. I, I think it's, um, it's going to be about how they start the season without Scherzer and DeGrom. Yes, for, me. for sure. It is a big thing for the Rangers going into it. But my dark horse is the Seattle Mariners because I still think that the Rangers could be better than Seattle, like kind of like with what you said. Um, but I, I like their young arms, like Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, and yes. uh, Emerson, and I can't read Emerson my Hancock. own handwriting here. Emerson Hancock, that is not what I wrote. Oh, my God. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> th those three guys are all promising arms that are going to yeah. fight for their last two spots in the rotation because you got guys like Castillo and Kirby that are going to be there, and they're both absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I also wanted to highlight in uh, last season, July they were 17-9. and nine. I guess they were 21-6, and six, the Mariners were. Yeah. September is what really killed them, and I think if they can – if they can find that consistency like they did in July and August, which I think they will in 2024, they very much could be better than the Astros, in my opinion, which is crazy to say. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt this again. Uh, a guy that you're certainly going to be seeing on my mock draft next week, Chop Robinson from Penn State. Yeah, he just ran a 4-4-8. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. That was insane. Okay. I, I definitely agree with you uh, on, on your points there. I, I think the Rangers are just so weird to figure out. Like, can they win the division? Certainly. Can they yep. be extremely bad? Yeah, they can. 
I think there's a world if the Angels are healthy, they can come in third and the Rangers come in fourth. I, yeah. I would go that far. I agree. I, I think the yeah. Angels the Angels might be the most volatile of this because they could win 50 games. They could win 80 games. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I trust Ron Washington and Eric Young to, to, to just coach these guys and do a great job with it. Um, so, yeah, there, there's tons of upside there. I think uh, – for the Rangers, though, I think the big struggle that we're still going to see because they still haven't addressed it is the bullpen. Uh, you added Kirby Yates, who was not very good for the Braves last season. Um, you know, you still have guys like Josh Spores and Jose Leclerc, but no more Araldis. So I guess you lose a little bit of inconsistency, but also you lose the ability to have a, an all time closer uh, in that bullpen. And I, I just, I still think that's going to be a struggle for them this year. And that's why I can't trust them to go out and win this division. Um, but they obviously could because they just won the World Series. <laughs> yeah, and and another point that I want to add since we're having a pretty good conversation is, it, are, is Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, are they really going to be able to replicate what they did last that's season? That's a fantastic question. Because I think Corey Seager can for sure. But if we've seen anything from Marcus Simeon, there's ebbs and flows to him every yeah. year. He is just and down and up and down throughout his career, and maybe this is a down year. Maybe it's not, and I, and I would hope for it not to be because I'm here to watch the best baseball I can. But for sure, I, I think the good thing about where Marcus Simeon is now in his career is, you know, he's 33 years old. Time can catch up, but he has the guys outside of just him on his team that can produce because when he was in Oakland. Yeah, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, both very young at the time. Same with Marcus Simeon being pretty young at the time. He goes to Toronto. He was good. The rest of his team wasn't. That was a, It was pretty bad years uh, outside of Bo Bichette on that team. Um, and now we look at a Marcus Simeon that, you know, is surrounded with the best shortstop by a country mile in the MLB with Corey Seager. Um you have you know great players like Josh Young and and Adolis Garcia and Jonah Heim as well in this offense. You have the prospect of Evan Carter uh, playing as well as he can, dude. Oh, yeah. that's a scary one to see. Um, and, and so I think he gets a little bit of comfort. It's not just him creating offense anymore, and so he can just continue to bat you know second or, or, or fifth in this lineup and, and produce. I think there's a whole lot less pressure on him to generate runs at this point in his career because he has guys around him that can also do the same thing. Very fair point. Damn, that was this is a good division to cover. A lot it of, certainly a lot of is. pieces here. Yeah. I, I think we're just I, – I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. The AL Central is going to fucking suck, uh, so we're making up for it here. <laughs> the East yeah. is going to be great too. So – yeah. So uh, this is fun, but let's talk Cy Young candidates. I think there's quite a few, and most of them are on the Mariners. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually had more from the Rangers than I did anybody else. Really? I've only got one Ranger, uh, only because of the injuries. Yeah, I, I didn't account for the injuries. <laughs> uh, so my Mariners are Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and Bryce Miller. Uh, actually, I didn't include Logan Gilbert just because uh, he's far too inconsistent 
up to this point in his career. He's no longer uh, a prospect that still has time. He's like 24, 26 now. You got to buck up. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I like that. So, <laughs> and, and for one. George Kirby and Bryce Miller, they are young guys. And, and, and George Kirby made my top 10 starting pitchers this year. I think he made yours as well. Um, yes. He was, he was my number 10. Extremely effective. It was big yes. what he did this season. I think if he takes another step, he might be taking the number one spot in that rotation from Luis Castillo, who was also fantastic last year. So Yeah, big time. I, I think the Mariners are in a, a fantastic situation where they've got five bona fide starters and they've got one budding from the minor leagues. Yeah, it's a good situation to be in. I, I felt it as a Braves fan before where it's like, yeah, we have our five, but there's like six guys trying to get up too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I get where they're at right now. Um, and then for the Rangers, I've got Eovaldi, and that's all. I, I just don't think that yep. I don't think Degrom and Scherzer are going to have enough time to put together a Cy Young winning, you know, season. Uh, and then for the Astros, I've only got Framber. I, I I do think that Justin Verlander is going to be a little. He's going to regress a little bit. Forty one is old as hell to be a starting pitcher still doing your thing. It is very yeah, difficult. That, you don't see a lot of them do it. it. Yes, of course, there are the likes of Nolan Ryan who went deep into his 40s and amongst many others, but this is a different time, man. It, it, like the that, strain that these guys are putting on their body, literally just to create like spin rate, is ridiculous. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, I, I do think that regression is heading Justin Verlander's way. Luckily, it's only starting now at 41. Instead of where most guys have it, which is like thirty-five, um, yeah. So yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, I, I think Framber's really the only guy I could see doing it for the Astros, and it's really just because he's been there before. He's been like a Cy Young candidate before, and he still has that potential now. Yeah. So I, I had all the guys that you had except for Bryson Miller. Um, I, I just I I don't think he. I don't think he has enough yet to put together a Cy Young season, but the other two guys, Castillo and Kirby, a hundred percent have to be contenders there. I kept Verlander in my list, but I also had Framber and then I had the DeGrom Scherzer Evaldi trio there. So that was my Cy Young candidate. So we, we agreed on a lot for sure. For sure. Uh, I think this one's going to be an interesting conversation. Let's talk MVP candidates And, and it's not particularly, I guess when, when we do this, Sometimes we can think of it as like, these are the guys in this division that can win this award. Sometimes I'm kind of looking at it as like, this is just going to be the best at his, you know, whatever, either hitter or pitcher yeah. in this division. So with the Cy Young candidates, I'm, I'm, I was more looking at like, who could actually win a Cy Young? Um, whereas if, for the MVPs, I'm more looking at who could be the best player in this division. Obviously, if you're the best player in this division, there's a good chance you're going to be an MVP finalist uh, because two of them were last year. <laughs> yeah, and they're on the same team. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Corey Seager, Jordan Alvarez, and Julio Rodriguez kind of spot are the spotlight players here because they're the guys that should be in those conversations all year. Uh, but Marcus Simeon could certainly be back in the conversation. Um yeah. You know, if he continues to to stay hot, Kyle Tucker can always be in that conversation just because of the consistency. Yep. He is possibly the model of consistency in the league at the moment. Um, and then, of course, Mike Trout. You can't count out Mike. 
Unfortunately. No, you cannot. <laughs> um, yeah, he could always – they could win 50 games, and he could be the best player in the league that year. Um, yeah, and I'm, for sure. I'm pretty sure that's happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, probably um, has. And then I also want to just give some – Give some love to Alex Bregman, who I think this season is going to be kind of a bounce back. He's been a little bit down the last two years, uh, I'd say, but I think this is a bounce back for sure, like a full time, like full out bounce back. Uh, and then Adolis Garcia certainly has the potential to be up there at any time. Oh, I didn't have Adolis Garcia, but I actually I'm going to go ahead and write him in as if it matters. I yeah. definitely like him on my list. Um, I had um, Jordan. Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Mike Trout, Julio Rodriguez, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. I went ahead and threw in Brent Rooker just, just as the yeah. single best player on the athletics. And then I just added Adolis Garcia. So my thing with Alex Bregman, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I'm in the minority in this opinion, but he to me is an elite support player on this Astros team. I don't think he is. Uh. He's just another guy on that team because I don't, I don't think he think even so. compares to Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, and Jose Altuve, in my opinion. I think if he has a good season, he's as good as any of them. Um, you know, we've we've seen some stellar seasons out of Alex Bregman in his career. He's been an MVP finalist in his career. Um, has he really? I believe so. Let me. You know, fact check myself real quick. Uh, yes, he was second in MVP voting in 2019. He was fifth in MVP voting in 2018. So he was a finalist 2019. If we see that kind of Alex Bregman, the Alex Bregman that can have an above 1,000 OPS in a season, and you know also have one of the best on base percentages in the season, like in 2019, the one category he led the MLB in was walks. That was it. Oh. <laughs> And that was a big season. That was the season where we saw the debuts of Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto. Um, you know, that was a, a huge year for this league. And, and and Alex Bregman was one of the best. He had 112 RBIs that season. He hit 41 homers and 37 doubles. The year before that, he had 51 doubles. Like, this guy can genuinely be one of the best. But since the COVID year... He just hasn't quite been the same. He's not pushing like 285 batting average like he was prior. He's now more looking in like the 260s, 270s, which needs to be fixed because his best asset was the fact that he was putting the ball in play whenever he stepped up, and now the strikeouts have gone up a little bit, which I don't think is a huge issue. But when you look back, you know, he was kind of in this same area, but like 87 strikeouts last year is a little bit out of the ordinary for him. Um, But yeah, I think it's just a matter of getting on base. He used to be so, so good at it. Um, It does seem like he's declined just a little bit in that. See, and, and that's kind of my point with Bregman is he is a fantastic player and I would love to have him on my team. Um, But you used a lot of ED when you talked about him. For sure. There was a lot of past for sure. tense. For sure. And I think... For Bregman, there is a little bit too much time has passed since MVP candidate season to going into 2024. For me to, I mean, maybe if I put, put fucking Brent Rooker on this list, maybe Alex Bregman, Bregman should make it. But 
I just think that there is too much time has passed when Bregman was an MVP candidate to going into 2024 for me to say that he can be an AL MVP more than Kyle Tucker, Altuve, and Jordan Alvarez, all who are on the same team. I definitely agree. Uh, I just I yeah. think that at any given time he could be in that conversation, uh, just because he is talented and, and he has the tools to do it. Uh, and, and obviously we've seen him do it before. Um, you know, last two seasons he was 19th in MVP voting in 2022, 22nd in 2023. So he's still getting love, and he's still having you know good seasons, just not quite on that same level uh, as of recent. But um, you know, we'll digress from this topic and uh, talk about some young guys, maybe some guys that haven't even seen the league yet. Um, <laughs> I really had to research. Okay, I, was I didn't have to do this. too I much research, to... but I did get. I got two guys that uh, I wasn't expecting uh, in my research. Uh, first of them, uh, obviously, I didn't have to do any research for him. Evan Carter is the guy. Uh, oh, I think he's second in odds, only behind Jackson Holiday. Really? Yeah. Dang, he's that high. Oh yeah. Wow. Evan Carter's the real fucking deal. Good for him. I like I mean, if that postseason performance can continue into the start of twenty twenty four, he he might have it. Uh okay, so some Genuinely. books actually have him as the favorite. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Interesting. Um sorry, I'm trying to pull up this list. So okay, so so DraftKings um, which is what I'll primarily go off of when it comes to their odds for futures. DraftKings Sportsbook has Jackson Holiday at plus 250, Evan Carter at plus 300, and then uh, Evan Carter's teammate, Wyatt Langford, who I really like. Um, yeah. He's fantastic. Guy. He's and plus 600. And then right after him, another guy on my list, which is Nolan Shanuel, um at plus 750. So you've got three guys in this division that are top four in MVP, or sorry, rookie of the year odds. Yeah, and what I like going forward for the Rangers, imagine an outfield with both Langford and Carter out yeah. there. Yeah, and Adolis Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. it looks good for them. Uh, another guy I've got, though, um, maybe not a lot of people talking about this guy, uh, Spencer Arigetti. I really like him a lot. He's on um, my list, too. I he's he's a fantastic guy who could come up and be a big impact pitcher for the Astros. We kind of talked about how, uh, you know, the the latter half of that rotation with Javier and Hunter Brown and uh, JP Sears, you know, it, it's it's not exactly set in stone. Um, and and I think Spencer Arigetti has the chance to make some things happen. Um, you know, in just in spring training, he's made one appearance, two innings pitched, three strikeouts. Uh, only allowed one batter to reach base in those two innings. Uh, he's 24 years old. I, I really like what he has to offer um, and could be a, a good young half if you pair him with Hunter Brown in that rotation. Um, on top oh, of that... I mean, he's already better than Carlos Rodon right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like leaps and bounds better than Alec Manoa, so... Uh, he's in a good position oh, there. Oh, no, not the Alec Manoa We're getting slander. started early. He didn't have a good start to spring training. Um, we love cyberbullying at second and short. <laughs> only for Alex Manoa, though. Only <laughs> only athletes. We don't cyberbully. Yeah. Uh, what, do, what do they call them? Non, non-athletic regular people? NARPs? Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't bully. <laughs> yeah. We don't bully NARPs. Um, 
Uh, I've also got Emerson Hancock on this list. Uh, the only issue could be that there's not a spot for him in this rotation. That could be the biggest problem for Emerson Hancock. Sure, yeah. Because I, I we already talked about him, but Bryce Miller and Brian Wu are great. So, unfortunately, the most likely scenario where Emerson Hancock gets a chance is if somebody gets hurt. Which is always a possibility. Yeah, of course. Um, anybody that I haven't said that, that you've got your eye on, I've got one other guy, but I'd like you to go ahead yeah, and pull up some um, stats on them. There were only three. I got Jacob Melton. He's an outfielder on the Astros. I read up on him. Sounds like he's got some good things going for him. Uh, ben Joyce is still, could be a rookie of the year candidate. He's, oh. you know, mega gasoline. Yeah. Mega gasoline. Is he still eligible? I didn't realize it. That is what I read up on. Yeah. Gotcha. And then uh, there's also a relief pitcher, Mason Miller. Uh, I read that he has um, he has a lot of injury issues. He's a very hard-throwing relief pitcher, but he, um, you know, if he can stay healthy, I think he could probably work his way into some rotation or, you know, some some bullpen. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm like, delaying myself right now. This guy that I had, oh, okay, he got traded away. I didn't even realize. Never mind. I don't have him anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, Mason Miller's on the A's. I couldn't remember who he played for. Yes. He's an A's closer. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the guys I had, I didn't realize he got traded to the White Sox. So maybe I'll talk about him in the next episode. Uh, but it's uh, Prelander Barrera. Barrera. Barroa. I don't know how to say it. Is he Hispanic? Uh, yeah, he's from Santo Domingo. Ah. Um. Yeah, that's 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 my list there. Yeah, we we hit all the bases there. Um, all right. Uh, any other things we want to bring up for the AL West uh, before we move on to the Premier League? Yeah, I, I mean, when I was making this list, I didn't really think it was going to be that interesting until you and I started talking about it. I, I really think there's um, there's you know maybe just a little bit less than infinite ways this division could go in, and that's Certainly. always fun. Especially since our teams aren't in it, we can just laugh at the chaos. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I, that's that's what we get to do as Braves and Yankees fans for the ALS. So, yeah, super excited, super excited for this one. Yeah, very much. And um, we have the uh, AL Central to look forward to, which I do think could get interesting. <laughs> if you've been listening to the Monday episodes, you'll know that me and Colin have been very particular um, in favoring one specific AL Central team that you maybe weren't thinking about if you haven't paid attention this offseason. Nonetheless, let's talk about some soccer. Um, obviously, uh, don't have any Champions League to talk about because we kind of spoiled that last week. Um, we do have the Premier League to talk about, though, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll start off light. We'll start off light. Fulham versus Brighton going down this weekend. Um, these two teams in you know interesting positions uh, in their own rights. Uh, you know, Fulham, a team that, could certainly use some help. They're sitting in 12th place right now with only 32 points, but they're on interesting form. They beat Manchester United last weekend. Wild game. <laughs> they Wild lost to game. Villa the week before. And then, you know, before that, just some average results against kind of bottom half teams. Fulham is odd, but Brighton may be in a weirder position from what I would have anticipated out of them. Going into this season, I thought they were a contender for the top four. They had some fantastic stuff going for them, but they also have always been and possibly always will be um, a candidate to lose all of their best young players 
in any given transfer window. Uh, and that's exactly what happened this summer. Now they find themselves seventh place, which is nothing to scoff at this season um, with 39 points. But they had a draw versus Everton last week, a big old win over Sheffield United two weeks ago, which nobody is surprised by. Uh, but like the week before that, a loss to Tottenham. Uh, you beat Crystal Palace. You lose to Luton Town a couple of weeks ago. Uh, about a month yeah. ago now, they lost 4-0 to Luton Town. There's a lot of question marks surrounding Brighton and Fulham right now, but it, it just seems like they're so all over the place. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll beat up on some bad teams. We'll lose to some good teams, or we'll beat some good teams, and we'll lose to some bad teams just back and forth all <laughs> the whole time. But yeah. despite that, there's seven points separating these two teams. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't get it, but I, I like Fulham in this matchup, and I want to talk about this. This came against Manchester United. Uh, so your first goal came from Bassey in the 65th minute. Then Maguire, Harry Maguire, in the 89th minute will equalize the game. But here comes Alex Iwobi, the failed Arsenal winger, will win the game for Fulham in the 90th minute, just a minute after Harry Maguire tried to be the hero. And look, th- this Fulham team can compete. Um they're weird because, you know, I think they're lower in the table than Brighton is, but Fulham seems way more consistent than Brighton is. Um, yeah. Fulham about, I, I would say Fulham will play every team very tough. No matter how good the team is or bad the team is, Fulham just plays them hard. Um, and I, I really, I kind of like the form that Fulham's been in right now. It's, I mean, it's nothing like ridiculously amazing. Um, let me see here. Uh, crap. Hang on. Uh-oh. Yeah, so they're coming off of that 2-1 win against United. Uh, their game before that was a 2-1 loss to Aston Villa, and then a 3-1 win against Bournemouth, uh, and then two draws back-to-back, 2-2 against Burnley, 0-0 against Everton. So Fulham are looking better than the, than the start of the season. They're, they're on the up. And then, like you said, Brighton is, um, if you took a pin on a paper and just scrabbled, there, there is no predicting them. There's no... <laughs> I, I don't get it. They can blow out teams. They can get blown yeah. out. Really nothing in between. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. And I think for Brighton, the biggest thing um, that's you know not quite playing in their favor is is injuries. Um, you've still got Solly March out. He's probably not going to make it back for the weekend. Um, Kaoru Matoma is still out uh, and won't be back until like the end of the season. Yao Pedro uh, is going to be out until late March. Um these are key players in this team, um, you know, dating back, you know, if really the whole season. These have been key players in this team. And if you look at that, I know it's, you know, an FA Cup match midweek that they played against Wolves uh, where they lost 1-0. This was a weird look for this team, um, you yeah. know, to have Ansu Fati up front who has done absolutely nothing um, in his time here now this season. Um, you have... You know, Simon Adengro, who is a great young player, he played pretty well, uh, all things considered, but not the best. Um, you had Facundo Bunyate, who at times is great. At times, he looks like a 19-year-old with very little experience, and that's what he looked like in this game. It, I, I think if Brighton has any chance, it's when they're healthy, and right now they're just not. Uh, so, so I'm going to go Fulham's way, and I'm going to take them 2-1. Yeah, um, 
I'm actually also going to take them full one, but I just wanted to bring up one last point. So I, I love Bonanote's last name. Yes. It is literally good night in Italian. <laughs> it's spelled the same way in everything, I'm pretty sure. And I, yeah, I'm taking 2-1 Brighton. Very yeah. random what I just brought up, but two, no, 2-1 Fulham. Sorry. Sorry. 2-1. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's talk Newcastle versus Wolves. Actually, wait. Oh, sorry. Hang on, I'm sorry. It is against Brighton. So if we're going to pick Fulham to win, I'm going to go 4-1 Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got 2-1. You've got 4-1. That's all you. I'm going to go um, 4-1. Let's talk about Wolves versus Newcastle. Uh, oddly enough, Newcastle has absolutely sucked to the point that Wolves overtook them in the table and Newcastle now sits in 10th place. Uh, I am not happy about this. Uh <laughs> obviously, uh, but Wolves have been on pretty good form. You look back in their past five, uh, you go back to the beginning of the month, they lost a real close one to Manchester United uh, on a Thursday where you had a Kobe Maynew winner in like the 90th plus seven, something ridiculous like that. But then the weekend after, you see them with a 4-2 win over Chelsea. They lose to Brentford, of all teams, Um but then the past two weekends, you get a win over Tottenham and a win over Sheffield United. All of a sudden, you find yourself with 38 points in ninth place. With the honestly, a win this weekend probably could put you in seventh place. Yeah, it's insane because we were talking all off season about how Wolves was selling off all of their talent. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. all of a sudden they're up here. Did, it's crazy. Did we think they were going to get relegated? I, I can't remember if when we did our table, did we ever do a Premier League table or did we do like we teams did. that we thought were going to get relegated? I, th- I think we did. Maybe not a full table, yeah, but I think we did I, like a preview where we were like, these are the top four. These are the relegated teams. These teams are making Europa League. Yeah. You see, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think we did a full table, but nonetheless, we certainly weren't thinking highly of Wolves. Um And we definitely were thinking highly of Newcastle, who is uh, the team I obviously elected to root for going into this season. Um, And look, I couldn't be more happy with what I've gotten to see with Newcastle. It's just the results aren't quite there. Um, And obviously health and and just availability of our top players has been the biggest issue dating back to Sandro Tonali, like two weeks into the season. Like (laughs) it's just been a huge issue. It doesn't help that Nick Pope got hurt going into Christmas, you know, that, that Christmas time where you play a ton of matches um, and we still won't have him for another month. Uh, It doesn't help that, you know, Joe Ellington is out until May and Callum Wilson is out till May. That's just killing us. Like it's, you know, we lost playmaking in the midfield and we lost a goal scoring option up top. You know, at times we were missing Isaac and we were missing um, Sven Botman for an extended period of time. It's just been availability and it's killing them right now. Um, you know, you had a midweek uh, match against Blackburn that ended up going to penalties that you won, uh, luckily. Uh, but the 4 1 loss to Arsenal last weekend was embarrassing. And the 2-2 draw with Bournemouth before that was equally as embarrassing. So I, I I would just love to see a shred of consistency from Newcastle United. And that's what's going to lead me to this next thing I'm going to say. And um, it's that I think Eddie Howe might get fired. 
Mm. And I don't want that to be the case. I, don't get me wrong. I think it's just that, and I saw a video of these guys talking about it, and they laid it out very well. And I, they see it as he's kind of the gatekeeper for Newcastle's potential as a big club. Because what he has done with this Newcastle team and what he brought them from is nothing short of amazing. They made the Champions yeah. League. They were a top-four team last season. And and they're bankrolled by these Saudi billionaires that can bring in and export so much talent, and they already have. But I think this team, because of the money and the talent, has a much higher expectation than what I think Eddie Howe can reasonably do with this team year to year. I think he, he does a fantastic job of grabbing a team that's perennially bottom half of the table, getting relegated up and down for the course of 20 years and bringing them up to a point where they made the Champions League. But now they find themselves in this position where it doesn't seem like they're getting better. And I think part of that has to do with Eddie Howe. Yeah, that's fair. Um, But I I don't think... um, I I think the Newcastle injuries have been... Absolutely Definitely. killer to them Definitely. this season, though, truthfully. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing holding them back, in my opinion. Maybe if Newcastle wants to become a bigger club, maybe you look at bigger manager options other than Eddie Howe. Maybe, like, Tuchel. Yeah. Eddie Howe's on his way out. Maybe they bring Tuchel or somebody like that in, or maybe something crazy like a Jose Mourinho. But 10th place just does not do this Newcastle team justice. They should not be holding hands with Chelsea all season long because I, our teams have been literally 10th and 11th for what feels like four months. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been ridiculous. But um, yeah, I, I liked all the points that you made. You know, this is a very different Newcastle team despite them being 10th in the Premier League. They were in the Champions League this year, and I know they got knocked out, but damn it, they did some damage. Yeah, for and sure. And they competed, which is more than what you could ask for i feel like and th- they're only going to get better from here yeah um, I-, I like that but um and on the wolves side really nothing much to add they are on a pretty decent form right now winners of their last three um they are uh wait one two three four five they're five and one no four and one in their last five sorry i can't count there um and they're looking good, and they're they're hitting Newcastle at a very weird time right now. Um, I don't really like Newcastle edging past Blackburn only uh, Blackburn only on penalties. Yeah, I felt like that should be a game where they could win, like maybe two nil, something kind of more comfortable than penalties. Um, Arsenal is just really good this year. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> you know, losing four one to Arsenal is tough, but as a Newcastle fan, you know, with the defense last year, you would expect maybe a closer scoreline. I, I think. Um, and then, like you said, the tie against Bournemouth, I think, is worse than the loss against Arsenal, for sure. Um, I, I think I'm going to go 1-1 draw. Okay. Newcastle Wolves, yeah. I'm going to take Newcastle 2-1. Um, I, I still think we have the players that we need to go out and win games, and, and I trust that they can do that because there are still great players in this lineup. You know, Anthony Gordon is one of my favorite players to watch this entire season. Um, Alexander Isaac, despite his shortcomings, does score goals. He's got 10 goals this season. And 
as much as I hate Miguel Almiron, he can hold his own. Bruno Guimaraes just does his thing week after week. Lewis Miley is becoming a player that I've grown to like more and more throughout this season. I certainly was critical early on of us having sure. a 17-year-old in the midfield. Um, but <laughs> he, he's definitely you know growing on me a little bit. Uh, but I, I'd love to say it'd be 2-0, but we haven't kept a clean sheet in six matches. So I don't think that yeah. trend is going to change. As much as I have been happy with Martin Dubrovka in goal, uh, he is no Nick Pope. Yeah, no, the the goalie depth that y'all have is actually kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's I pretty like nice because I'm pretty sure the next keeper in the depth chart is uh, Loris Kyrus. Um, so that's kind of nice. Yeah. He played in a Champions League final. We're not going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, don't want to talk about he how he did it. and what he did in particular. Um, yeah. That was actually horrible. Like, the, oh, yeah. the fact that that happened to him and then Big the time. next season he he's playing for Bekshiktas in Turkey. Yeah. That, it, like, I mean, you, if he fell off a cliff. Yeah. Lord. Really sad. Yeah. Really sad. Crazy. Uh all right, well, let's let's talk about the Manchester Derby. I got some fun facts uh, that we could go through here. Uh, I like to do this for historic rivalries. So uh, the first matchup between these two teams was the 12th of November in 1881. It was actually between West Gorton, which would become Man City, and Newton Heath, which would become Manchester United. And uh, promptly, Manchester United won it 3-0, um, as they did for many years. Um they won this matchup. Uh, the first matchup as Manchester City and Manchester United was Christmas Day of 1902, which ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, this one's pretty interesting. Peter Schmeichel played eight seasons for Manchester United and one season for Manchester City and was never on the losing side of this rivalry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Great day. Pretty crazy. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the overall record in the 190 matches played in all competitions between these two is Manchester United's 77 wins, Manchester City's 60 wins, and 53 draws uh, between them. Uh, this is pretty crazy. In the last 10 years, Manchester City have made, or they've turned a 20-goal deficit uh, down to just one. A one-goal deficit. Uh, to Manchester United in the history of this matchup. Uh, so if City can win by two, they will hold the advantage in all-time goals in the Manchester Derby. Um, other things, of course, being just the famous incidents that have occurred in this rivalry. In the past, you know, 10 or so years, we've had some very famous ones, uh, including uh, Marouane Fellaini headbutting Sergio Aguero. Uh, we had uh, the 2011 matchups, which had some maybe of the most iconic from this uh, from this rivalry being the Wayne Rooney bicycle kick in the first oh, match of the, of that season, and How in the do that? <laughs> nice barefoot too. That's free, people. That's yeah. free. That's what you get here. You that get free, free feet. Um, exactly. And then the I second matchup, <laughs> the second matchup of the 2011 campaign, we had Mario Balotelli's "Why Always Me" celebration, uh, where he pulled that his jersey yeah. over it and he had the "Why Always Me" shirt on. Um, Look, this is just the rivalry of all rivalries, uh, honestly. Um, and it, it, what's kind of crazy is that it wasn't that much of a hatred between these two teams until more recently. Um, this is a relatively friendly rivalry. It, it wasn't even really a rivalry. It was just two teams from the same area. A lot of teams, like, I think uh, what I read was before World War II, these two teams, like, their fans would just go to both teams' games. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah, they were wow. just supporting the city. Um, and then after a while, uh, you know, some, you know, it got divided and then it really got to be a rivalry in, in the time during Sir Alex Ferguson um, kind of taking over at Manchester United. So yeah. it's pretty interesting. Uh, but down to this year's matchup, it is on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and Manchester United has a list of players out. Uh, and that includes the likes of Rasmus Hoylun, uh, Luke Shaw, Lissandra Martinez, Anthony Martial, Aaron Juan Basaka, quite a few guys uh, still out. Uh, and then for City, their only notable uh, is uh, oh, excuse me, uh, Yasko Variol, uh, who's out for a couple more weeks, and then uh, Jack Grealish, who's a little banged up. Uh, he got subbed out uh, in their game against Luton Town, like midway through the match. Didn't seem very happy. Uh, so I'm not too sure what happened to him. Um, but, yeah, I, man, Manchester City, do we need to talk about Luton Town midweek? <laughs> I, I mean, oh, Erling Holland should be yeah. arrested. Yeah, yeah, hat trick by the 40th minute and five goals in the 50, by the 58th. Yeah, all oh, on man. Tim Krul. Yeah, I wish... Actually, Luke, go ahead. Go on uh, the website I use is FOTMOB, F-O-T-M-O-B dot com. Okay, and go just find the Luton Town versus Man City one. And you're going to see an amazing visual of Erling Holland and Kevin De Bruyne and what they did in this game uh, (laughs) where the assists are always on the left of the player's profile. The goals are always on the right. And they actually made them overlap <laughs> with how many they had. Oh, no. Yeah, Erling Holland's five goals, Kevin De Bruyne's four assists in this match. It's absolutely ridiculous. You had an assist from Bernard was, Silva and John Stones as well, and a goal from Mateo Kovacic. Uh, okay, yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I I mean, it just wasn't fair. No, as soon as the nope. whistle blew, it, it was not fair. No, because this is like this is like a realistic lineup that Manchester City would put out in a in a regular league match, despite the fact that they didn't start Ruben Diaz in this game. Um, <laughs> they didn't start Rodri in this game. Uh, you I know, mean, no Phil Foden, no Julian Alvarez, like. They didn't even start Ederson in goal. No, no. I, I, I mean, you had the likes of Reese Burke, and Minji, and Mari Bell defending Erling Holland. Who? Yeah. For those people. And the, like, how old is Tim Krul? Thirty-five-year-old <laughs> Tim Krul in goal. <laughs> yeah. That man Crazy. has been around. He has. Oh man. Yeah. So Manchester City is on. Uh, Pretty good form, I'd say. Uh, I think we talked about them a couple weeks ago. They're still unbeaten <laughs> since whenever we said that. Um, they've obviously got the Prem's leading goal scorer in Erling Holland with 17, a measly 17. Um, nowhere near uh, what he did last season, but it's still ridiculous. He's also assisted five goals, which is kind of crazy. Um, wow. Yeah. Also, how is Rasmus Hoylund already Manchester United's leading goal scorer in the Prem? Is he really? <laughs> With seven. 
Oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't have it, man. Yeah, no, they they, they, they can't score goals. Uh let's let's talk about Manchester United for a second because they've been kind of just squeaking by and and staying pretty good. Um despite the well, fact that they're just winning close is, ones. Um, yeah, Fulham um Fulham was their first loss since December 23rd. Yeah. Or December, sorry, December 30th. My bad. Um but you know, in between there they've had like a 3-4 win against um Wolves, a 2-1 win over Luton. Like it's been really close for them. Yeah. Yeah, they're games, they're like a weird said. case. Um you know, like the game they played midweek against Nottingham Forest, your only goal came from Casemiro in the 89th minute, despite the fact that you started Marcus <laughs> Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Garnacho, Anthony, Scott McTominay, who at one point was their leading goal scorer in the Premier League. Um, it, <laughs> like, this is an actual Manchester United team that I would expect to see playing on a Saturday in the Prem. And they put up yeah, one goal it's... on Nottingham Forest, who, <laughs> honestly, Nottingham Forest didn't put out one of their best lineups they could and only beat them with an 89th minute goal from a guy who's really not much of a goal scorer in Casemiro. On top of that, um, Manchester United had 20 shots in this game. Nottingham Forest had 16. Manchester United had seven shots on target. Nottingham Forest only had five, but the yeah. possession was uh, a 60, 40 difference there. Um, all of that to say, Manchester United are very lucky that the unlikely hero, Casemiro, <laughs> listen nice. to that rhyme, somehow gets a goal in the 89th minute. You are extremely lucky not to have gone into extra time and found yourself in a trap game here. Definitely. If you're Manchester United. Definitely. Is the way I see it. So, Nonetheless, yeah. what I expect at Etihad Stadium on, on Sunday is nothing short of a bloodbath. Um, <laughs> I simply I I can't trust Marcus Rashford to score goals. That's for sure. I no. can't trust any of them to score goals, especially with Hoyland out, who was your hottest player for the past month. But Scott McTominay, yeah, he's <laughs> certainly cooled off. Um, <laughs> for sure. So for sure. Yeah, I I I can't assume otherwise. Uh, than Manchester City is going to dominate. Uh, so I'm going to take Man City uh, 4-0. Yeah, and, you know, I want to look at it a little bit closer before I give my score prediction. Their last two games, obviously, the midweek against Nottingham Forest, which we just talked about, your one goal against Fulham was from Harry Maguire. Your yeah. one goal against Nottingham Forest is from Casemiro. Before that, against Luton Town, Rasmus Hoylund was both of your goals. He's hurt. So yeah. Manchester City 4, United 0. All right. I, I like that we're in agreement on this absolute beatdown <laughs> that Man City is about to put on Man United. But it's it's weird because United have been in the best form, but I, I feel like a lot yeah. of their form has been Rasmus Hoylun kind of, you know, just getting goals here and there. And yeah. if he's not there, you, you, you cannot rely on Casemiro and Harry, Harry Maguire to get you goals. Definitely not. Definitely not Harry I mean, Maguire. Duh. <laughs> Harry Maguire yeah, would trip over but, his own feet. And that's, I think that's honestly looking at it, you know, like I said, even deeper, deeper. <laughs> Manchester United's wingers have done fuck all. And as far Garnacho as Garnacho hasn't done a season, thing since he scored that bicycle kick. 
No, and Anthony just does this. <laughs> yeah. He just spins. Yeah. Next time, and next thing you know, the ball's out of bounds. Yeah, no, <laughs> Anthony treats field. the the right side of the field like an etch a sketch. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, ridiculous. Uh we do have some other like pretty good matchups this weekend. Um we've got so oh, clicked on the wrong button. We've got Brentford Chelsea, uh which unfortunately could get interesting. Uh <laughs> Everton yeah. West Ham, definitely an interesting one because Everton would be in such a different place without that 10-point deduction. Man, yeah, like they're in definitely. 15th right now. If they didn't get that 10 point deduction, uh, they would have the same amount of points as Chelsea. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you've also got Fulham Brighton, Newcastle Wolves, uh, Nottingham Forest, Liverpool, which uh, I, I can't imagine goes the way of Forest. Uh, Spurs, Crystal Palace, uh, Luton versus Aston Villa. Uh, Burnley versus Bournemouth, Man City versus Man United, and then on Monday, Sheffield United versus Arsenal, which I can only assume will be like the highest goal scored of this entire season uh, by Arsenal. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sheffield United, wow. Um, yeah, they have allowed the most goals in the Prem by uh, a, a cool eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a negative 44 goal differential for them. Uh, not good, in case you couldn't tell. Yeah, all thanks to Newcastle completely fucking flattening them. Yeah, that kind of got it all <laughs> started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've gotten uh, flattened quite a few other times. Um, a lot of 5 nil <laughs> losses for them. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, but yeah, Sheffield oh, United. Uh Honestly, a sight to see because the other team's going to score some goals. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, all right. Definitely. Well, that, that rounds it out. You've got uh, Champions League matches uh, next week, but if you want to hear what we think about them, go back to last week's episode because, once again, I did it prematurely. Um, I do know we will be talking about the Champions League next week. At the end of the week, those matches will conclude. We'll know half of our teams that are making it to the next round the quarterfinals exciting uh and then we'll also be previewing who will join them in the quarterfinals so look forward to that of course we have premier league matches next weekend uh i'm pretty sure once again i don't look at calendars uh there might be an international break that i don't know about but i'm pretty sure there's not another international break till like april um nonetheless let's get into our favorite segment in the show's history as we often say i think it's question stock what do you think? Oh, let's do it. All right. Well, let's I'm start excited. off with Ethan's question because I love this so much. Uh, it's a very <laughs> funny question. Uh, what are y'all's respective welcome to the league moments? <laughs> now, I'll give you some backstory behind asking this question. Uh, this is the question that every single former or current professional athlete gets asked on every single podcast they go on. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate it yeah. so much. <laughs> it's always you just like, like question? it's, I, I hate it for like just an athlete. I think it's, it's funny when we do it in a satirical context like this, it's so, it, it's always just like, man, KD put up 35 on me. Every time. Yeah, that's I think fair. KD has given that's out fair. 50% of the league's current welcome to the league moments. I think LeBron has probably done 45% of the other ones. Like, 
It's always the same. Kobe. In like the yeah, or yeah, Kobe. Like every single one of these guys has the same exact story with a different player. Um, in, in the NFL, yeah. it's just like, man, this this guy hit me really hard. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I know you're playing football. Um, yeah, I think. Well, okay. Well, let's let's do this as like um, our first welcome to the league moment with this podcast. What was your welcome uh, to I the would league say moment? My first episode, you know, coming home from Christmas break in uh, would it be twenty twenty three? Right? No, twenty twenty two. Yeah, twenty twenty two. Yeah, um, I just didn't. You know, everybody talks sports, and everybody likes to. Every sports fan likes to think that they have a good knowledge of sports. But when you try to turn that into something a little bit more formal in the yeah. form of a podcast, you realize that you just did not take enough notes <laughs> and you just yeah. don't know like yeah. certain offensive or defensive linemen, you know, or coordinators here and there. I, I would say that that first episode, just the the depth that, you know, sports can really have. Yeah. It really surprised me. Yeah, so because that, I, that would be my welcome to the I, league. I will say like going into a, doing a podcast it was like yeah i've watched so much you know daytime sports tv but yeah you know if you watch first take it's 10 minutes about one thing and it's a different thing every single time they're not trying to talk you know they're not trying to fill 30 minutes to an hour about what's going to happen this weekend in the nfl this is not what they do yeah even a show like the pat mcafee show which goes on three, sometimes four, five hours in the middle of the day, they're bringing on guests like every 30 minutes because they got to fill time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. doing a podcast like this, like it, it, I went into it being like, oh, we're just having a conversation about sports. And then I realized like, okay, it needs some structure to it. Now I think we're more yeah. comfortable with it. We could, I could write a prep sheet. I, we do this for the Sunday episodes all the time. I write a prep sheet. Me and Colin don't take any notes. We sit down right before we do it. We read the prep sheet for the last time, take a couple of notes, and we get started. Like it, it's not that serious, um, and it's really just about the conversation. But I think early on, for sure, it was <laughs> it was tough. Um, yeah, and it it really made me appreciate live broadcasting too. Yeah, from like you know your guys like Al Michaels and Collinsworth, Definitely. they are having to do like kind of what we do. Okay, not well, to say like what uh, we do is I'm gonna that give good, them. But... I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. I'm not trying to take away from the greats of broadcasting, but people take the notes for them. <laughs> um, and, and they really? all yeah oh yeah, and they also ha like these guys do their own notes for sure, but they have a media guide sitting in front of them with all the oh, information about every player that. that you could imagine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where, see, yeah. I always wondered, it's like, how did they know that this left no. guard in high school, like had to get rid of his kidney yeah, and they're exactly. going to bring that up like this. And also like, they've got why? a producer in their ear, you know, telling them yeah. what they should and it, it, to talk about. And, Oh, we're going to transition to this graphic. So bring this up and then we'll transition to this graphic. So it's like okay, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> did not know that. I, I for yeah. a long time I didn't know that, but uh, after taking a couple of my classes at KSU about like sports and, and media and stuff, um, picked yeah. up on that. It's very interesting. You can actually go out and find yeah. like every NFL team and MLB teams like media guides and game notes and everything. Um, huh. 
It's pretty cool. Uh, nonetheless, yeah, uh, I think my welcome to the league moment for this podcast was the first time I didn't click record, uh, and we did an entire episode. Oh. I think that was with me and Colin uh, the first yeah. time it happened. And I felt so bad because Colin was filling in. Like, he hadn't even become a full-time host yet. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that was a, that was a, that one caused the first solo episode, which I've certainly got better at them. But that first one was so difficult. Um, really? It, recording the solo episode? Oh, yeah. The first time I did it, it was so difficult because, like, I'm so used you to, like, I, I, yeah, I think I did a good job. But also, like, and it also wasn't video either. Like, it was still just audio only. So I was, like, super, when I went back and edited it and, like, listened to it, I was, like, super, like, nitpicking everything. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, obviously, I've gotten much better at it now. Uh, but that was certainly, like, a, 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 okay, like, this is a this is a very difficult part of this. When, you, when you're when you the one that fucks up and you got to make up for it. Because, um, like, we went, like, an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And then Colin had uh, Colin was going to a Braves game as soon as we got done recording, and I text him while he's on his way. I'm like, dude, you'll never believe this. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely. But let's get into Nathan's questions. Um, this one he didn't choose a language this time. I guess he tried to use Macedonian and it didn't work. Uh, so now it says so many questions. Um, Find me somebody that speaks Macedonian. <laughs> Even from Macedonia. Yeah. Uh, Alexander the Great, maybe. He's from Macedonia. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what is your favorite pet that you've had in your life? Oh, man. I already know mine. Are we sure. really going to talk about pets? Yeah. Pets can get sad. It does get sad, for sure. Um, Probably, I had a cat, Elsa, who um, ran away um and obviously probably died um after she ran away yeah. but she was like a dog i mean like you could pick her up do anything <laughs> she was nice amazing most loving cat yeah i like that yeah, yeah mine was uh ted she was, and our dog ted teddy yeah. okay oh he, he was awesome big ass dog what kind of dog uh he was a border collie terrier mix uh oh wow yeah, that man had some fucking energy. <laughs> yeah, border collies can roam. Oh the yeah, fields. <laughs> uh, and, and like this dog <laughs> was just like a mess, dude. <laughs> and like, like his his favorite thing was escape through the front door if we ever opened it, and then run around yeah. for a couple hours, make sure to go through the creek. Right before you come back to the house. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I loved that dog so much. He was great. Um, um, all right. I wanted to point oh, out that ahead. Elsa is not not from Frozen. Okay, I was about to ask. I was going to ask that, uh, and then I forgot. Yeah, we got it from Born Free. It was about hmm. a uh, a tiger handler, or a lion handler, gotcha. sorry. And one of, one of the lions that she got close to was Elsa. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to the next one. This is an odd way to phrase this. If you woke up a legal billionaire, I don't know why legal. Would I be waking up as an illegal billionaire? I don't know about that one. I'm Nathan, I'll need some clarification on why you put it that way. Are we drug um, traffickers? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Tr- I don't even think I could if I tried run a billion dollar illegal operation. Um, so if you woke up as a legal billionaire, uh, what would be the first thing you do slash buy? Um, 
I think my my fun answer would be I'd probably get like house and a car. Yeah. Right. I, yep. I, I'm, I'm fine with clothes right now. But my unfun answer would be trying to research ways to turn that billion into more than a billion. Yeah. Trying yeah. To sustain that money. Maybe yeah. buy some property, do something like that. Yeah. I think Airbnb. the first thing I do is I hire somebody to manage that money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's perfect yeah i'll be like perfect. okay look i got a billion dollars i need you to figure all the shit out that's gonna make me keep a billion dollars and uh, i'm gonna take yeah. a couple hundred million and just fuck around <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna yeah, I'd probably sure. start my own production company get this you know bankroll second and short as like a as an uh, as an entertainment company probably um yeah that would be awesome. Uh, all right. Next thing. I guess my, my boring an- or my, my fun answer or whatever uh, would be find property in the middle of nowhere and just create like a fun house for myself. <laughs> compound. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> I have a reminder in my phone um, for like a couple years down the road that is just buy property in Wyoming with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> dude you can you can just like buy that. like acres in wham sutter wyoming for eighteen thousand dollars and like you just get to do things with it uh, there is nothing out there not a grocery store and miles you know but the idea is that if i have a ton of money i buy this land for eighteen thousand. i get some people out there to build up get a couple houses there Maybe, you know, get my helicopter license, I guess. It'd probably be the easiest way to get to a grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> Put down a helipad, you know, everything. So, yeah, I, I would love to just buy property in, in Wyoming and just fuck around. Dude, I, I would get the property next to you and build a Walmart. Fuck yeah. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Imagine. <laughs> we just build a Walmart, dude. Fuck it. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, next one. Do you think we will see a 400 strikeout season or a 70 home run season next? So 400 strikeouts isn't, I don't think that's ever been done. Um, 70 home runs has been. So I I think I'd have to say 70 just because probability. Um, I I don't know, man. That's tough. I, I think 400 strikeouts is possible. But not for the modern day pitcher, at least in the view, the way we see it. Like if it was like back in the day where guys were just like, you had one starting pitcher, that was your rotation, and he threw a hundred and fifty pitches <laughs> in an outing. Yeah, yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe you had guys throwing like twenty two um, inning complete games back in the day. Do you think any pitcher in today's league could have a four hundred strikeout season? Any pitcher? Yeah, Spencer Strider. He's a strikeout. Merchant, I was I was thinking him. Yeah, but that's that's fucking a hundred and two more strikeouts than what he had last year. Yeah, roughly. That's crazy, but definitely seventy home runs. These kids today are yeah. breaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the home runs is definitely the more feasible one. Uh, who will lead the league in touchdown passes next season, and how many will they have? Oh wow, that's a really good question. Um. Shit. Do you have a guy? 
I've got like three, three potential answers. Three years. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, just what he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> CJ Stroud. And Joe Burrow. I think he's going to have a good comeback from this injury. I, I'm i actually going to go out on a whim. I'm, I would go Josh Allen, and I think he could throw like My only issue with Josh Allen is that he does like to run them in sometimes. That is true. Yeah, same with Jalen Hurts. You couldn't say him yeah. either. Um, I, I could see Josh Allen or Burrow. Oh, here's an underrated one. Aaron Rodgers. I didn't for, <laughs> forgot about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I keep forgetting he plays football. Yeah, I mean, what what could he do? I mean, his last season with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers could still throw like forty touchdowns. <laughs> you really think so? Yeah, dude. Maybe I... I'm just, you know, I don't know. I mean, false, I love him. False confidence in Aaron Rodgers, but like your 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 passing touchdown leader this season. Uh, Jesus, this fucking ad. Hold on. Uh, your passing touchdown leader was. Dak Prescott with 36. Is it really Dak? Right behind him was Jordan Love with 32. Wow. Yeah. I think either, honestly, those two guys could probably be in the conversation for 40. I could see that. I, I Yeah. Yeah, I, sure. I think, you know what? I'm going to go with Jordan Love, and I'm going to say he's going to throw 41 touchdowns next season. And as soon as you saw Jordan Love's name, I knew that was going to be your guy. <laughs> Hey, we okay. I was shitting oh, on Josh Allen. He threw twenty nine last season, so and eh, it's kind of it's pretty good. Meh. Put him fifth, tied with Tua. So do, do guys not get fifty touchdowns anymore? I I used to think that in like the they definitely Manny used Brady to era that well, used to happen. Twenty twenty one, Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford both broke forty. Wow. I wonder what happened in the past. Two years then. Why, why was Yeah, because I think 2022 it was... Uh, 2022, Patrick Mahomes threw 41. Um, and he was leaps and bounds better than just about everybody in 2022. Yeah. Um, let's see, 2019. 2019, Lamar had 36 and he led the league. Wow. That was the year Jameis went uh, cool 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Okay, yeah. So Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes back in 2018. This is when it really, this is when it really started for him. He threw 50. Yeah, I don't know That's if guys it. are doing that anymore though. I, like, I know that that was only you know six years ago, but I don't know if guys still do that. 50s a yeah, lot, I don't, man. I don't know either. 50 is a lot. He's definitely not doing done. it now. <laughs> no, with this team. No, <laughs> uh, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, considering uh, Travis Kelsey probably caught all of those, maybe, you know, actually, no, Tyreek Hill was there. Tyreek Hill caught 12 of those 50. Um, Travis Kelsey caught 10 of them. So that knocked out just about half. (laughs) Um, All right, let's get into the next question, though. Uh, How many tries does call? (laughs) Wait, why did he put a question? Oh, okay. This is interesting. So Nathan must have asked Colin a question. Colin gave an answer. So how many tries do we think Colin needs to hit a home run over the green monster? Colin says three. I was actually thinking three. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, you know, he's going to need a good pitch, um, and he's going to need one that he can get under because it's it's hard to just naturally hit a home run over the green I monster without getting at, under a little bit. At the most, at the most, eight tries. Okay, I say at the most, he 10. just keeps messing up. Just in yeah. case the pitching's not great. I, I, I'm going to assume we're doing batting practice here. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think you have to get used to hitting there. If you're trying to hit a home run over the green monster, you're probably going to fail quite a few times because you're thinking too much about the launch angle. Especially if you're like Colin yeah. was like a talented hitter. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm not going to say was. That's mean. I'm going to say Colin is a talented hitter. Um, you know, but it's it takes a lot of talent to even be in a situation to be hitting home runs over the green monster. So <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, I, I, I I'd say it'd take a little more than three, maybe, but that's that's logical. I think he could. Yeah. Uh, all right. The next and final question is: How many walks will Juan Soto have this season? Um. Let me. So I, I'm like already I'm pulling it up amount. right now. So okay. last year he had 132. Uh, his career best is 145. Fuck me. Um. I, I'm going to go, you know, new team. I don't think he goes under 115, but I'm going to hang around like a 1 to 15. Uh, I'm going to go for 120. Okay. I, I think in the ballpark he's playing in, he might start off a little, like, jumpy. Swingy. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah. you know, short porch, man. As a left-handed hitter, it's enticing. For sure. <laughs> uh sure. all right well that does it for questions time um yeah that that's that's the episode luke how are you feeling uh, about uh going into this weekend um feeling great it's actually the start of my spring break i know nice. that we don't nice. have we don't have spring breaks that coincide i think yours yeah. is not Next week, but next week, next next week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Double next. It starts. I guess if you consider Saturday as the start of it, it'd be the ninth. Um, oh, yeah. reminder: there will be no episode the Monday uh, of the week of March tenth. So no episode Monday, March eleventh. Me and Colin are going to take ourselves a little break. Um, <laughs> considering I have done, you know, quite a few episodes since July fourth when I took my last break uh, from this, <laughs> but um, yeah, well, since yeah, me and Colin are going to be up in the mountains from the eighth to the 12th. So um, it would be kind of difficult to put out a podcast uh, considering we won't have inter- much internet connection <laughs> um, that is and we fair. will be exhausted uh, from playing a lot of disc golf. So um Yeah. So try to do like a fireside podcast, like I, up in the mountains. I, I think we might do a little bit of like behind the scenes filming, a little bit of like a vlog, maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll see how we're feeling. That'll be sick. We'll see. Uh, nonetheless, you know, we'll, we'll get that content to you whenever you need it. We got you. Uh, so yeah, we've got episode uh Monday, of course, with me and Colin. Um, next Friday, but then the night that Monday after we are off, and then we'll come right back. Uh, Friday. Uh, the 15th uh, with me and Luke. So a uh, lot to look forward there. Luke, if, if you ever want to take, you know, we could take we could take a week off whenever you'd like. You've been on quite a few episodes consecutively now. Um, so 
Feel free. If we ever need to take a break, it's you just, just let me know. It's so routine. It's, I know. It's so I know. routine, and I yeah. just love it now. It's that's fair. It's just it's it's in my schedule. It's honestly a part of my life. Yeah, it really, it really is. Yeah. So I'm I'm fine, man. All right, I love it. That sounds good to me. Yeah. All right, well. We will keep bringing you guys content. The best way to show your appreciation is if you're on YouTube, you should be liking, subscribing, commenting, turning on post notifications so you stay up to date with everything going up on the Second and Short channel. If you want to stay up to date with literally everything going on in Second and Short, you need to be following our social media accounts. You can get the links. All the usernames are right here. And um, you can, of course, go to the link tree for that. If you're listening to the podcast, pull over right now. Put on the blinker. Yeah, put on the blinker, pull over to the side of the road, put on the hazards, take out your phone, rate five stars, and follow us on the podcast platform. If you're in class, merge back I guess safely. Yes, merge back safely, of course. Check check all your blind spots and your mirrors and all that. Um, if you're sitting in class, ignore what your professor's saying. You're listening to a podcast oh, anyway. Love that. <laughs> and uh, go ahead and rate five stars and follow us. Um Otherwise, you also need to uh, join the subreddit, uh, 2ND, A-N-D, short, and you can submit your questions for questions time. Just make sure they're submitted by about 4 o'clock on Thursday afternoons, and uh, and we'll get to them. So, with that being said, Luke, anything else for the people? Nah, man, I'm, I'm ready to get out of here and get my, my spring break kicked off. All right, well, sure. you enjoy your spring break. Me and Colin will see you guys on Monday We'll both see you next week. Peace.